today, today we're finishing up 2 Peter chapter 3. If you want to go ahead and, and open your scriptures there. I do want to tell you that uh, starting March, uh, we're making a change. This is actually in the bulletin. Uh, we're making a change from the NIV to the ESV. That's the English Standard Version. Uh, actually, in the past two years, it's the version I've been going to and reading, uh, reading through. And uh, uh, it's been something I wanted to do for a while. We are, we are ordering Bibles to put in the pews. The way this is going to work, we're going to have them in the pews available to folks who don't have Bibles uh, with them. Uh, but also, uh, we're going to let you take them home if you don't have a Bible, okay? So we... we, we just love scripture so much we want you to steal our bibles kind of thing so no not that not that it's we're going to welcome people to just take them with you and then we'll resupply i yeah here's here's a hope that we financially are in trouble by the end of the year because we keep passing out all kinds of bibles okay that that's that that's not exactly the way you want to state that goal but uh you know i i really uh have this love and passion for the scripture and i know you do as well uh, matter of fact, we think about uh, in Second Peter, as he's written in the first chapter, he said, I'm going to write these things down. You, you know them and, and, and you've been changed by them. I'm going to write these things down so you remember them. And I, 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 man, that's just fascinating in my head every time I turn to Second Peter. The significance of that. You know, here we're turning to Peter's book. And, and we know that Peter's that guy that spent three years with Jesus, right? Jesus investing, pouring into not just Peter, but, but the other apostles and other disciples. And, and Peter was the one who had the opportunity to witness the crucifixion of Jesus and also his resurrection. Got to talk to Jesus afterwards. And, and he was also, after, after the days that Jesus uh, ascended into heaven, then, then he was the one who received the Holy Spirit, and he was energized, and he preached that first message. And the content that he knew uh, was through, the, through his time with Jesus, through the Holy Spirit. And now he has the opportunity to, to go and preach that gospel. And then he says, hey, I want to remind you of these things. And so we pick up this, this book of Second Peter. I, I know in one way we're reading Peter, but it, this is God's word. Do you hear the route that, that that's taken? The Holy Spirit influencing, uh, working through Peter has written these things down. These words are precious to us because this is God's word, right? Uh, it, this is God's word that we're working through. So uh, uh, we're, we're going to, well, let, first of all, let me go through uh, chapter 3 just real quick where we were last week. Uh, chapter 3, the first nine verses. It was about truth, which was really important because chapter 2 was all about false teachers, right? Uh, we have the truth, and Peter focuses on that truth in those nine verses. He, 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 he builds this uh, idea or this, this strength or this, this platform that says that, that basically the truth we have, we could stand on it. We could be confident in the truth that is given to us through Peter and through the scriptures, both uh, through all the, the apostles that have written and through the holy prophets of the Old Testament. We can be confident in what we have today. And, and he, he, he made that case by saying, you know, when God speaks and he makes promises, he keeps those promises. Goes back into the Old Testament. You know, hey, there was the promise of the coming flood because of wickedness working in this world. A judgment coming, uh, a world-changing flood. And it happened. 
so we could trust today and we could also trust in the future because there's another judgment coming, right? Another, another world-altering, world-changing event coming through his judgment, and it is this time with fire. And so that's where we were in, in chapter 9. I'm going to read chapter 2 um, and, and pick up you know, where we left off in verse 10 through 18. But before we do, let's, let's go before God and, and pray this up. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you for every day. Lord, the opportunities we have uh, to, to give you praise, to acknowledge you. And today, Lord, we give you praise because uh, this is our time to gather together. It's our time to sing praises before your name. And Lord, this time of being able to open the word and to read it. And, and Lord, we, we ask this question, Lord, what do you have for our hearts, for our lives today? Where is it we need to be challenged? Where is it we could receive some encouragement? Uh, Lord, where is it some places we need change, repentance and change? So, Father, we want to be open before you. We ask that your Holy Spirit is very active today, not just in, 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 the, in the preaching, but in, in how it's received. Lord, work on hearts. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let's read this passage. Again, 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Now, I, I want to stop right there because I'm not going to be addressing this in the sermon. But the idea of coming like a thief is what? Unexpected, right? Uh, we don't know the time or the day of Jesus coming. It is unexpected. It is not the aspect of uh, the thief is coming and he's going to steal. And we're going to say, oh, what just happened? Uh, the truth is, especially with the rest of that verse that says this, the heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. We're going to notice, okay? It's not, not that, oh, whoops, it happened, and, and woo, what happened? Uh, he's going to come unexpectedly. So that's the point in verse 10. Picks up where we left off from last week, that, that Jesus is coming. Verse 11. Since... Everything will be destroyed in this way. What kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth. Where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave to him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort, as they do the other scriptures, to their own destruction. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory, now and forever. Amen. All right. In this passage, uh, really, 
Peter sets me up today. He, he sets me up with this question that we find in verse 11. What kind of people ought you to be? In, in light of this coming, this coming judgment, this day of destruction, what, what kind of people ought you to be? That great question that he actually answers, but, but I want you to, to, to listen to that question and, and to, to you know, remember that as we walk through uh, what, what Peter says about this. What kind of people ought you to be with, in light of, of that coming judgment? And so I'm actually going back to that verse. Here's how he answered it. Listen carefully. He said, you ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. I, I'm just preaching really that sentence and everything around supports what Peter says here. Let me read you his response again. You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. Therefore, in, in answering that question, what kind of people ought you to be? Well, first of all, it is to live whole, godly and holy lives. First part of his response, live holy and godly lives. In view of the coming uh, condemnation upon the wickedness, upon the, the ungodliness in this world, that, that's headed for destruction. We, we ought to live holy and godly. Matter of fact, uh, it, it, it talks about the world destruction, but, but in verse 10, if you look up that part where it says in verse 10 that everything done in this world will be laid bare, I believe that's, that's, that's that perspective that, that God's judgment is coming in that day. He's bringing that condemnation upon uh, those who are ungodly. Which back in verse 7, he said the, the ungodly are going to be in, swept away in this destruction as well. Uh, laid out in verse 7. So I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to be a part of that. And he says, you know, the, the first thing in preparation for that is you've got to be holy and godly. Well, what does holy and godly mean? Well, isn't that perfection? Isn't that perfect? I've had people tell me, well, holiness and godliness, that's perfection. To be, you know, God is perfect. And to be holy and godly, that's perfection. Matter of fact, in verse 14, it says, it just continues that thought. Later on in 14, it says that you, you be spotless and blameless and at peace with God. Anybody? Anybody, anybody there? Ready? Prepared? That, that word perfection, any of those words just seems unattainable, right? And I, I think that's absolutely true. It is unattainable except for what, what Peter wrote in chapter 1. And it, it is that gospel message are you familiar with gospel what that means it's good news so so in the uh, tension that oh hey we got to be godly and and holy i'm not that i'm not that but but the fact is is that god has made everything possible through Jesus Christ. That's what he says. And, and this, is, this is kind of a review. We went through this. But in chapter 1, the, the verses 3 and 4, what does it say? It says that, that his divine power, God's divine power, has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Or, or for, for even a godly life, it, should, it could say. Uh, through our knowledge of Jesus. 
That's the gospel. So the good news, the good news or the gospel is this. It is possible for us to be holy and godly, spotless, blameless, and, and, and at peace with God. But it only comes through Jesus. That's the gospel message. It's possible because God provided us a way through his power, and it's Jesus. It goes on in verse 4 to say that it's through his goodness and, and, and through his, his glory. He has given us his great and precious promises. And, and, and that, that, comes through, uh, that, that comes through the fact that through his promises, we can now participate in his divine nature. Let me explain that a little bit. You see, the nature that we have naturally is we are ungodly. We're sinful. We're fleshly. We're, we're, we're people who do not deserve to be in relationship with God. Jesus came. Jesus came with that divine nature and lived it and existed in this world in that perfection that you and I cannot attain. And what did he do with that? Or what was done with that? It was nailed to the cross. That perfect sacrifice for you and I. In order that, that, that you and I could receive his death as our own. See, I cannot attain that divine nature, but Jesus lived it. And I could participate in it, is what Peter's saying. I could participate in that divine nature. I could be like him in his death. This is what Paul says in Romans 6. I could be like him in his death, and, and, and so I could also be like him in his resurrection. Woo! The gospel's good. The gospel's good. So I can wipe the sweat from my brow and the idea of living in perfection. Because perfection comes when his spirit indwells because I've been covered in that, that blood of Jesus Christ. Been, been, you know, had that opportunity to participate in that divine nature. So that's what he's given us. So, so it is attainable to live that divine nature. Let me move on. So first of all, uh, in that answer of what kind of people ought you to be, you're to be. Uh, you're, you're to live that holy and godly life. And we'll add in there, you got to do it through Jesus. And then the next part of that is as you look forward to the day. As you look forward to the, to the day. Now, now, my second point would be this. We are to actively wait for that day of Jesus' coming. We're to actively wait for the day of Jesus' coming. I, I, what are we waiting for? Matter of fact, verse 13, I, I missed this earlier, but, but oh, okay, so far up to verse 13, it's all about destruction, right? We're going to wipe things out. How, how, and he said it in so many different ways. Heaven's going to disappear with a roar. Elements are going to be destroyed by fire. Uh, uh, since everything is going to be destroyed in this way, verse 11, then verse uh, verse 12 says, that day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire. and the element. So it keeps repeating, but, but then it adds, will melt uh, in the heat. So destruction, well, we got it, okay, we got it. Destruction is coming in this judgment. But look at verse 13, and then you could smile with me, okay, 13. But in keeping with his promise, remember God is faithful, that's the truth. What's his promise that he's going to keep? We are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth. We're looking for, we are waiting for a new heaven and a new earth where it says that righteousness is going to dwell. Righteous, what, what's so different about today? Is, is there no righteousness in the world? Not much. Okay, let's, let's, so let's think about this just for a second, okay? 
in this world, what's going to be destroyed? Evil. That's the perspective. Hey, listen, evil is going to be destroyed. Is that good? Oh, man, there's days when you look and, and you see the actions and activity of people around you. You say, absolutely. You think about the hatred, about the violence, wars. You know, let's, let's name other things. All that is going to be removed. Uh, the things of cancer. The things of cancer is going to be removed. Sickness, death. All that is going to be destroyed. And, and, and absolutely removed. It's not going to exist anymore. What's going to be left behind is righteousness. In this world, guess what? Because of God sending Jesus, righteousness continues to work in this world. It, it ought to be working in us, right? And in these believers throughout this world, revealing to people, hey, Jesus called us light. We're revealing that righteousness of his work in us, right? So, so we are that existence of righteousness working in this world but in the new world that's all that is is righteousness because evil has ended it's destructed that it's destroyed uh in the world i want you to understand and and be able to see that so so in part of what we i said earlier is this so what kind of people ought we to be hey we ought to be the kind of people that are going to live that life in righteousness right and put it in, into practice today. That, that's that waiting. That's that waiting. We are to look forward to is, is how NIV uh, translates that. Uh, in the ESV, see I do this, you know, that part of the reason we're switching is I keep on referring to the ESV. But ESV basically uses the word wait. And a lot of translations just translate it wait. And that's probably the, the easiest basic word you could come up to in translating that word is to say wait. But it's not the kind of waiting that maybe you're familiar with. You know, you know what it is to wait? You know, I will tell you I've learned how to wait because of my wife. I do a lot of waiting. It started years ago when I was at, at Ozark Christian College, and, and I remember going to the dormitory. Uh, maybe on Sunday morning it was the one I remember the most. I remember going and sitting in the lobby with several other young men waiting on ladies. And we'd sit down, you know, call, let her know we're there, and it would be wait. You know, and what do you do when you wait? You just sit there and maybe talking to the other guys and, and things like that. And some, some days you'd wait a while, and I bet she'd, she'd come out. And I'd always, I'd always end up thinking, wow, it was worth the wait, right? See, see, it's okay to give an illustration about your wife when you say something like that. It, she, was, she was worth, absolutely worth the wait. Always has been. Then I said, oh, i got to marry this woman. So anyway, so, but, but you know, that's a kind of, here's, when it comes to waiting, it is not that kind of passive waiting. It really is this active waiting. Matter of fact, let me, let me go back through that illustration in a different way. You know, I, I come and I'm sitting, I'm waiting on her. She comes down and I'm thinking, well, she was worth the wait. Instead of thinking, well, she's just worth the wait, I'd say, you know what? I should have been doing some things to prepare better. <sighs> maybe a shower would have been good. You know, may, maybe I should have washed my clothes. At least comb my hair would have been nice. I should have been better. Look at her and then, oh, good grief. I should have used my time better. You know, <laughs> let, let, let me take you to what that waiting is about in, in this passage. What that waiting is about is, is learning to live what we've been given. 
You know, we're, we're not just sitting around waiting for that to take place. We're, we're, we're learning to live in what God has given us through his grace and mercy. Matter of fact, look at, look at what it said at the beginning of that verse. He says, so then, dear friends, since you are looking forward or waiting for this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. We get, we get a better idea. It's, it's that making effort we heard from chapter 1. It, it is being diligent. That's our life now as we're waiting for the return of Jesus. Let me go back to chapter 1. As a reminder, what was in there. Chapter 1, verse 5, if you want to look back in that, what did it say? Make every effort to do what? To add to your faith goodness. And to your goodness, self-control. No, to your goodness, knowledge. And to your knowledge, self-control. And then add to your, 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 your self-control, uh, uh, perseverance, and, and godliness, and brotherly kindness. And add to that love. It is about growing. What do we do with our days as we are waiting for the return of Jesus? Is we're following after Jesus. There is an activity or, or, or a life to be lived in the believer who's following after Jesus. It's not just getting baptized and then we'll, we'll attend church on Sunday and that's it. It is about pursuing Jesus. Are you doing that? You, you see that, that holiness and, and that godliness and holiness is in existence because he's given it to us. But, but it's not something we're just given and that's it. It's you learn to walk in that. You learn to walk in the righteousness that, man, that's all there is uh, in this new world. There, there's no longer the things that we're familiar with here of wickedness and troubles and difficulties and the, and the ugliness of this world. The absolute ugliness of the, this world is gone. And we have the opportunity to live in, in his righteousness. So, it, it is about moving forward and learning to, to live in what we've been given. Now, so far we've gone through a good portion of that, sermon, uh, that, that sentence he said. You know, how should we live? Well, we need to live holy and godly lives. And we need to look forward to that day and speed its coming. And speed its coming. Third point is this. Let's do what we can to speed up the day of the Lord. How, how do you do that? Uh, Peter is actually uh, proposing or, or laying out here that we can move God to act. He, he's making the point. Have you ever heard anything like that? He's laid it out that we, we might be able to do something about hastening the day of his return. Oh, I could, I could illustrate that and think about what happened with the story of Jonah. That would be one example. We could actually probably find a lot more illustrations. This is the one that came to mind. In Jonah's story, he was to, to go and deliver a message to Nineveh. Finally, when he got Jonah's attention and Jonah went, he declared that message, told him to repent. He said, man, in just a few days, you are going to be absolutely destroyed because of your sinfulness. And what did Nineveh do? They repented. Uh, it, it began with the king. The king took off the robes and put on, you know, uh, uh, rags and sat on ashes and began to repent. And, and along with him, the whole uh, city of Nineveh repented. And what did God do? Well, he didn't destroy Nineveh. He held back his destruction because of repentance. Isn't that the message we heard last week? And that's the message we hear today. 
Repentance in verse 15. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Oh man, what a, what a great and precious part of that is. God's patience means salvation. Verse 9 from last week. Let me, let me go back and read for you verse 9. It says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his, his promise. Remember, that's in response to, where's Jesus? I mean, the promise of him is to return. Where is he? And he says, he's not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Why hasn't he come back? Well, there's a lot of repentance needed in this world. It's our neighbors. It's, it, it, it's, it's the people in our community. It's people throughout the world People need to have that opportunity to come to repentance. I, I do believe that not everybody is, but everybody at least to have that opportunity to know Jesus and know that message, uh, that gospel message, in order for them to come to repentance. God has been holding back, which means salvation to us in every day. So, so what do we do about that? I do believe that means that you and I ought to be actively figuring out how we could tell the world around us of Jesus Christ. How, how to let them know, man, in their current state without Christ, they are destined for uh, God's judgment and, and, and that they need a Savior in Jesus. You need a Savior in Jesus, right? And, and, and we've, we've taken ownership of him. Uh, we've, we've, come, we've become partners in his death and resurrection. No longer in, in the corruption of this world, but man, now we have the life of Jesus and that, that we're living. And what, what should we actively be, be doing? Our greatest command is to go make disciples of the world. How do we do that? Uh, Ty later on is going to present, I think I introduced last week through the same sermon, uh, saturate USA. So he's going to give us details about how we are going to be able to at least, you know, cover this community with some gospel tracks and, and things like that. He's, I'm not, I don't want to take away from what you're going to share, but anyway, he's going to give us details of that. Some things we could be doing, definitely. Also part of this in the scripture is, is Peter's warning. You understand how important it is that we're adhering to the truth and not letting those who are, uh, taking the gospel message and distorting it. You know, that, that's a big part of where we've been. And he, he goes into reminding him again. He, he brings up Paul. Paul. Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. First of all, you think, why is he bringing up Paul? Well, Paul is very much an authority man. He's well known to the churches that he's writing to. You know, Galatia is one of those, Cappadocia, Benefit. It, it's in that area, so I'm sure those, those letters and, and those churches are are well-knowing of Paul and his authority. So Peter mentions him in the same, uh, as that authority figure. In 16, he says he writes the same way in all his letters, speaking to them in the same matters. Uh, it, it, it's interesting to see, you know, there are some, some difference in, differences as the way that Paul presents it and Peter presents it, and yet it's still identical. I mean, the gospel message doesn't change between those two. So, so Peter's saying, man, there's guys out there who are ignorant and unstable people, and, and they're distorting his message. Yeah, it's hard to say what the message, I think it's along the same line of what Peter's been, been talking about. You know, it's that thing of abusing this grace that Paul's been talking about. 
You know, hey, we're talked about grace and, and what it's about is freedom. Hey, we're free. We're free. And so let's go and indulge in our sinfulness. And, and that, that is absolute distortion of what we've been given. We're called to righteousness instead. We're called to live and represent him in this world. And, and so that's part of the problem. And also another part of the problem might have been this, this uh, questioning, well, where's Jesus? He's not coming back. Uh, could have been this, the same thing there. So anyway, he raises that concern once again about false teachers coming. So let, let, me, let me just review again that sentence that Peter gave us and ask you, do you know what kind of people we ought to be? What, what kind of people should we be to be in preparation to be prepared for Jesus' return? And, and let me add on there, are you, are you living that life? Are you living that life? What kind of people ought we, should we be? We should be people who are holy and godly. Living that holy and godly life that we could only have through Jesus Christ. It's not something that we're, through our efforts are we going to ever match that. You're right. Absolutely right. We're not going to be that uh, people who are uh, you know, unblemished and unstained and, and at peace with God. We just can't attain that because of our sinfulness. We need Jesus. A uh, second part of that is, is to be waiting. You know, we ought to, and it's, I, I think it's even an anxious waiting, looking forward to, to think that all evil is going to be removed destroyed uh, there, there's this existence in this world of of evil and good and and they do not mix that's absolutely right and there's going to be that day when evil is going to be wiped out and 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 the righteousness the righteousness is going to only exist after god comes after the return of christ and then finally that that we ought to be a part of speed speeding his coming or speeding up his coming it means to be active, to look forward to, to be sharing that with your neighbor and your family and those around us and to our community. All right. I want to conclude this uh, uh, going through Second Peter with, with prayer. And that's what I want to do with verses 17 and 18. I think, I think this leads us to prayer. The things that Peter has led us through. Has, has been, he's, he's laid out the gospel for us. He's warned us about those who distort truth. And, and then he's encouraged us to know part of that truth is, you know, just know that Jesus is coming. Know that the, the, that day of judgment is coming and, and, and Christ is going to receive those who are ready and prepared, those who are godly and holy, or holy and godly. And, and, and those who are already been waiting on him and, and who've been very active in speeding his, his, uh, his coming. So let's, let's do this. Let's, let's, uh, let me read it, and then we're going to pray it. Verse 17 says, Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Let's, let's pray. Father in heaven, we, we praise you and thank you for your word. We praise you for this second letter from Peter. And, 
And Lord, to be able to identify, Lord, the, the, the gospel that we have, that message of, of having all that we need through your divine power, through Jesus Christ. Father, we, we give you praise. We, we know that there are, there are those who continue to walk around this world and distort the truth, who want to, uh, uh, Lord, in, in, in many ways see uh, their own gain through their message. But we pray, Father, that the truth of your word uh, will be embraced. Lord, that we'll be a, a, a body of believers who embrace your word, come to know it, uh, ask questions, and grow in, in our understanding of the truth. Father, we, we do praise you for Jesus. And as, as Peter laid it out here, we pray, Father, that we are growing in that grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We praise you for his coming. We thank you so much for the opportunity we have to gather together, to worship, to connect together. And we pray, Lord, that your word will continue to fashion our hearts and your, along with your spirit uh, to make us the people that's ready and prepared for the, for the world, and for that new world and new heaven to come. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.